excited to continue a series that we're in right now called The Pursuit of Presence. Uh, if you've been gone for the last eight weeks, you're like, I didn't know we were in a series. But uh, we are, and uh, we are on week eight of that, and, and I'm excited to continue that. Matter of fact, I just want to remind you that next week will be week nine. I know, you, you got the numbers down. But week nine, and it will be our final week of The Pursuit of Presence. And here's the deal. There's a surprise. Now, I know for some of you, you love surprises. Some of you are scared right now. You're like, I don't want to come. I don't like surprises. I get it. But I do want to just encourage you to be here because we have something fun in store for us as a church, um, just as we continue to do our best to follow God and continue to do our best to worship him with our lives and really accomplish the mission that God has put on this house, and that is to see people transformed by Jesus. That's the heartbeat behind everything that we do. And so, so glad that you're with us. But as we kind of jump right in, I want to start with what we call our series verse. You've heard this if you've been here the last eight weeks. If you haven't, then, then here I want to make sure you understand what our series verse is. And here it is. And this is in Psalm chapter, or I'm so, sorry, Psalm 84, verses 7. Psalm 84, verse 7. And um, I want to read this to you. And I know that I've read it several times, and you may at this point be like, I've heard it. No, no, come on, stay with me. I want you to hear it again. Listen. They say that you have to hear something so many times before you actually do it. And so there's method to my madness in the repetition of things. So listen to this. Psalm 84, 7. Listen to what the Bible says. They go from strength to strength. Who's they? The people that go after God, the people that are pursuing God, that are the people that are pointed in the right direction, they go from strength to strength, and the Amplified says, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. What I love about that verse is the Bible is very clearly saying to you and to me that we can live in this strength to strength reality. Amen. That we can live always and ever increasing in victorious power. Now, please don't let that become like something you've heard before. Please let that become fresh bread for you today. That you would not lose sight of the promise that God wants to bring into your life. So I've asked you to kind of go through the psalm. To read over Psalm 84 and just keep reading it. Keep reading it. You're like, Pastor, I've been reading for eight weeks. Can I move on? No, not yet. We're almost there. But I want you to keep reading it because I think there's so much good stuff in there. And over the last couple of weeks, I've talked about how in the presence of God, there are things that we receive from the God that loves us. One of the things that we receive, two weeks ago, we talked about renewal. We all need renewal. Last week, we talked about how we receive protection from God. We all need protection, don't we? But today, I want to talk about blessings. Did you know that when you're in the presence of God... That when you have a relationship with God, when you consistently spend time with a God that loves you, that there's blessings associated with that? Yeah. It's true. And some of you are excited about that. Some of you aren't quite excited about that yet. But hopefully by the end of this message, you'll be excited about that. Yeah. Because here's the, here's, here's, what, here's the reality. If I said, do you want blessings in your life, what would you say? Yes. yes. What's the opposite? Curses. You want curses in your life? So, it's not a hard choice, is it? But the way that we get the blessing is that we get God. We get his presence. And when we get his presence, we get the blessings that come with his presence. And so that's what I want to spend the remainder of our time talking about. But before we get to that, it's so important that we see this idea. That when we look around in our culture, when we look around in this world, when we look around in the challenges that we face uh, as, a, as a globe, as a nation, as a people, the thing that we see is that our view on blessings seems a little warped to me. Don't you think? Doesn't it look like we, 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 we have an idea of what blessings are? Like if I asked you, you want to be blessed? You'd be like, yes, I want to be blessed. What does that look like? In your mind's eye, what does that what does that translate to? Does it translate to money? Does it translate to power? Does it translate to success? Does it translate to a frappuccino every day? What is it? 
Do people drink Frappuccinos anymore? I don't even know. They're probably too fattening, so now they're like skinny, soy, mochi yadas. <laughs> but we associate blessings with something, don't we? And if you wrote it down, you'd write out maybe what your blessings are, what you think blessings should be. Here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you should let God define what blessings are. You should let God define what the blessings are. And that seems reasonable to me. But we sometimes create value for things that God never created value for. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there are things in this world that we ascribe or assign value to that really have no intrinsic value whatsoever? Like, why is a shiny rock valuable? Why is a stone that's been pressed really hard together and, and turns out to be a diamond that's something that we value? We're willing to sell things for or buy things for, put them on rings. We're even willing to kill people over them. Why is that? I think it's that we have ascribed value to things that maybe God isn't really all that interested in. Yeah. He's not all that interested in that kind of stuff. He's interested in something more than that. And so what I want to propose to us today is that we recognize that in the presence of God there's blessing. And that God gets to define what those blessings are, not me. Because see, what happens is if we don't do that, the blessings of God get devalued by the things that we attach to it. So when we tether something to God's blessings, get this, that aren't supposed to be tethered to God's blessings... We get a twisted or warped idea of what his blessings are. And on top of that, we get disappointed in God when he doesn't show up with the blessings that we've attached, but he never promised. Yeah. And so, so, so my plan here today is that we would just spend a little time making sure we're clear that in the presence of God, there's blessings. God gets to define what those blessings are. And if I don't allow him to do that, it will lead to disappointment. Because I'm going to expect God to do something for me that he never promised to do. And that's not a good place to be. And it's even a worse place to be when we blame God for it. And we're mad at God for it. See, see, we devalue things. The other thing that I've found that we devalue is actually believing that God wants to bless us. I've found that because of things that have happened in our lives or places we've been or men and women that have done it wrong or whatever it is... But sometimes we take the blessings of God and we believe that maybe that's not what God wants to do. So we don't believe that God wants to bless us. We don't believe. Now, you kind of do. Like if I said, do you believe in blessings? You're like, yes, I want the blessings. And so you would say that. But there's a part of you that if I said to you to say to yourself every day of your life, God wants to bless me. God is blessing me. There's something in you that's like having a hard time receiving it. My friends, that's from the enemy. That's an idea that's been planted into your mind, a seed that's been planted into your mind that's there to destroy what God wants to give you. And I don't know about you, if God wants to bless me, I just want whatever he wants to bless me with. As a matter of fact, I want all of it. Whatever he wants to give me, I'm good. Bring it on. I'm open, I'm ready, whatever it is. So that's my heart for us today as we kind of press in a little bit more that we would we get to a place where we're open, receptive to receive the blessings that God wants to bring us. Can I pray for us? God, I ask in Jesus' name that any blockage, any wall, anything that is standing in the way of us understanding this revelation, this truth, that it would come down right now, it would come down in the name of Jesus, and that we would hear for the first time that we would have greater vision to see, that we would have ears to hear exactly what you want to give us exactly what you want to show us. And if that's you today, if you're here like, I, yes, I want that, just simply say, Lord, I want it. You know, receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have to define how Jesus defines it. And I want to read something to you out of Matthew chapter 5. If you don't know this chapter, it's, it's where you get this, this sermon that, that maybe you've heard. is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. It's, one of his, it's a famous sermon that Jesus gave. And I, I just want to read through this really quick. And what I want you to notice is how often the word blessed is mentioned. Okay? So I'm going to read this to you starting in chapter 1. I mean, sorry, chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to this. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain... 
And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So Jesus is on the mountain. His disciples have come to him. Then watch this. Then he opened his mouth and he began teaching them, doesn't it? He's teaching them. And this is what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Do you see? If you're merciful, you'll receive mercy. He goes on in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Are you noticing the word blessed? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that, that if you're blessed because of righteousness, you are blessed because of living a righteous life, people will persecute you, and he's saying that you will be blessed because of that. That seems a little weird, doesn't it? Verse 11, he says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. Falsely, for my sake. He says you're blessed. Does that feel like blessing to you? Verse 12, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, so what Jesus is saying is that they persecuted me. They persecuted John the Baptist. They've persecuted the prophets. And they will persecute you. And he's saying as a byproduct of knowing me, as a byproduct of having a relationship with me, you will experience persecution. And God says you're blessed. No one wants that, though, do we? We're like, well, I'm glad we're blessed, but I'd rather not have it. But sometimes there's a blessing on the other side of the pain. That if we're not willing to go through it, we'll never receive the blessing that God has on the other side of it. And that's a hard truth, isn't it? That's not easy. But it's very clear to me that Jesus defines blessings different than the world does. Yeah. He's defining it differently. He's, he's, he's saying, well, if you're this, then this, and this, and this. He doesn't say anything. There's nothing in there. There's nothing in there that sometimes pops up on our little radar when we think of the word blessed. And yet Jesus turns everything upside down and he redefines it so that we will see what really matters. See, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It doesn't say blessed, blessed uh, are those who hunger and thirst for stuff, money, power, video games, nothing. It says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And when you pursue the presence of God, you get righteousness. In his very presence. And as a direct result, you then now get everything that you need. So here's, here's the thing. See, when we seek his presence, we will be filled with his presence. I know that sounds really confusing, right? If I seek his presence, if I go after his presence, if I reach for his presence, the Bible says that I'll be filled with his presence. It's not all that complicated, is it? And what I've been doing over the last several weeks is repeating myself, trying to get us to fall in love again with God's presence. Not with the things of this world, not with the things that we pursue or the things that we think are going to make us happy. 
whether it's stuff, whether it's a relationship, whatever it is that you're putting in the place of God or that you're pursuing, it will all leave you empty if you don't grab hold of the thing that can make you whole. And that's Jesus. That's his presence. And I'll say it over and over and over again until we get it. Because we need his presence. And here's the thing that you've got to see about God's blessings. His presence is the blessing. His presence is the ultimate blessing. There's nothing more. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, okay, I got his presence. What's next? That's the wrong idea. That's the wrong mindset. It's I get his presence and that's enough. I get his presence and that's what I need. It is whole. It is complete. It's exactly all that I need ever and forevermore. It is never depleted. It never goes out. It's always there. And it is what you need. And so he's the prize. His presence is the prize. Oh, God, would you help us see this? Get this. We are blessed with his presence. We are blessed in his presence. And we are blessed because of his presence. Yeah. Let me say that again. I know there's, there's some good prepositions in there. Let's, let's go back to that. We are blessed with his presence. We are blessed in his presence. We are blessed because of his presence. Man, hashtag that. It's a little long. But that's what you have to see. It's complete. It needs no additives. Nothing tethered to it. It's just his presence. And it's in his presence that I get everything that I need. All of the blessings of God come to my life because of his presence. And truthfully, that's enough, isn't it? So let's stop reaching for things that will never satisfy. Let's stop reaching for things that we think we need and start reaching for the one that we need. See, blessings come in the presence of the Lord. I love that. And I know that what I've said is true. And I know that, that some of you are like, yes, I'm receiving that. I'm getting that. I want that in my life. But there's still this part of you that's like, it seems so out there. You know? It seems like such a big idea of his presence. It's like, okay, am I in his presence? And, 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 and am I good now? And so what I want to do is I just want to drill down a little bit more to make it as practical as I possibly can. Because God wants to meet with you. He wants you to be in his presence. He's not hiding from you. Come on. Somebody needs to hear that today. God is not hiding from you. He's not ashamed of you. You don't need to hide from him. He loves you. Get this. He made you. He wants you to come to him. That might be enough for somebody today. See, blessings come to us because of his presence. Look, let's return to, to Psalm 84. Just a few verses here. Psalm 84. This, this passage of scripture is so rich. But here's the journey. As we go towards the presence of God, look what the Bible says in verse 4. Blessed, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. So what the Bible says is that when you are in his house, you will be blessed. Some of us have not been in the house in a long time. And I know right now we've created a house here and we've created a house online. And that's okay. But if we're not hitting either one of them, you ain't praising like you need to be praising. You're not experiencing the presence of God the way you need to be experiencing the presence of God that leads you, causes you to sing. And so my point is, is that clearly the Bible says that we are blessed when we dwell in the house. Take that for what it's worth. Verse five, blessed is the man whose strength or woman whose strength is in you. 
not in someone else, not in stuff, not in things, not in our idols. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage towards God, towards his house, towards his presence. The Bible says that when I live my life that way, I will be strong. How often in my life, how often in your life, when you get weak, the first thing you do is reach for something other than God. (laughs) And we expect God to show up in that. Friends, blessed is the man or woman whose heart is set on the pilgrimage towards God. So whatever's keeping you away from him, whatever's keeping you from moving towards him, whatever it is, Let's put that stuff down and begin to move towards the one that can help us. So often we reach for the things that can't help us. They'll never help us. They might help us cope. They may temporarily make us feel a little better. But they're always going to let us down because they were never intended to bear the weight of our worship. See, God is the only one that can do that. And so we keep going in verse 11. For the Lord God is sun and shield. He's our protector. He's our warmth. He's our source. The Lord will give grace and glory. Look at this. No good thing will he withhold. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Verse 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman who what? Trusts in you. See, blessed is just this idea of happy, happy, fortunate, to be envied. Isn't that cool? Like, so, so the Bible is saying that I'm happy, fortunate to be envied when all of these things begin to come a reality in my life. When I live in the presence of God and experience the blessings that God wants to impart to my life, I am happy, fortunate, and to be envied. And at no point in that does he say you won't have difficulty. At no point does he say that you will not receive persecution because of my name. Matter of fact, he promises it. So there has to be something about the, crucif- or about the crucible of suffering that's important to the blessing. Yeah. That's the harder part. That's the difficulty that sometimes we struggle with. Because isn't it true? We just want everything to be good. <laughs> Don't we? We just want everything to be up and to the right. I mean, if it was up to me, I would never want to experience pain again. Anybody? You're like, you're like I love pain. Let's just do that. More pain. God, please, another. No, no one's doing that. But because of sin, because of the fallen world we live in, whether it's sin we do or sin that's done to us or whether it's the creation broken because of what happened in the garden, sin is present and it hurts. But I'm just so grateful that God never left us. He never forsakes us. And he says, if you get in my presence, you'll find the blessing you need. So when we dwell in the house of the Lord, the Bible says that we're blessed. We are strengthened in his presence. And then watch this. We will not, God will not withhold from us any good thing if, let me say that again. God will not withhold any good thing if, what is the if? If we walk uprightly. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to walk uprightly? I'm sure that's what you're wondering. What does it mean to walk uprightly and somehow therefore lead to God never withholding any good thing from me? You know, it's very simple. Be obedient. That's it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You're like, everything? Yep, that's it. That's all I got. When the scripture tells you to do something, do it. And the Bible says that if you will do it, you will walk uprightly and experience the fact that God will never withhold from you any good thing. Whoa. I don't know about you. I think that's amazing. I think that's exactly what we're all looking for. Don't you want God to just lavish you? Don't you want him to give you every good thing? Of course you do. All he says is do what I told you to do, kid. That's it. And then he says, we are blessed when we put our trust in God. Not when we put our trust in things, not when we put our trust in this world, not when we put our trust in this person or that person or this relationship, not when we put our trust in that government or that leader or that. No, no, no. When we put our trust in the Lord, not our stuff, 
not our things, not anything else, his presence, his power. We need that. So you may or may not know this, but there are some things that I want to share with you as we drill a little bit further down. And that is that God, listen to me, God desires to bless you. Did you know that? Like he desires to bless you. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing to think about. And some of us, when I say that, are like, "Woo! yes, I need that. I want that in my life. And some of us are like, "Uh, is that true? Is that real? Because at some point in our journey, we got stuck. Some point in our journey, we heard something that wasn't true. We've experienced pain. And all of a sudden, we pull away from the promise that God wants to give us. And so here's the deal. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove to you today that God wants to bless you. Matter of fact, here's the first idea. God not only wants to bless you, God has already blessed you. Come on. Now, you may not know that. But, or maybe it's been so long since you meditated on that idea. But listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, I love this. Paul's talking about all the things that God has done. And he comes to the, the people of Ephesus and he's writing this letter and he says this. So God can point to us. Look at this. He can point to us in all future ages as what? Examples. Do you see this? As examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. Woo! As shown in all he has done for us who has united us with Christ Jesus. Do you notice what he's saying? He, he doesn't say that, that we are an example of his incredible wealth of his diamonds. We are examples of his incredible wealth of his power or money or success or the new vehicle. No, he says, examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness towards us. So so what he's saying is, he's like, oh, hey, hey, come up here, kid. Come up here, kid. Stand right there. And he's saying, look at this guy. He's pointing at this guy or this gal and he's saying, do you see what God has done in this person's life? Do you see what's happened, the story that's behind this life? That they used to be like this and now they're like this. He says, if you need any example of that, look right here. Look right here. And maybe you can say, look right here. Because that God has lavished on you an incredible wealth of grace and kindness. And it's found in the fact that you were saved. That Jesus Christ came into this world and you saw it and you moved towards it. And now it's your story. And he's saying, don't ever forget. Don't ever forget that that while you're over here thinking God doesn't bless us anymore, that you forget the fact that he's already blessed you. He's already blessed you today. He's given you everything that you need right there in the salvation that you've received. And here's the thing. Perhaps you're here today and that's not your story. But it can be. It can be. So don't ever think that God hasn't already blessed you. And here's the best part. He wants to keep doing it. He doesn't just stop with salvation. He doesn't just stop with salvation. He wants to keep going. And so not only has God blessed you, he will bless you. See, John 10.10 says it very clearly to us that Jesus came, what? To give us abundant life. Abundant life. Now, I'm not all that smart, but abundant seems like a lot to me. It's abundant. If you had an abundance of Snickers, that's a lot of Snickers. Yes? If you had an abundance of cash, that's a lot of cash. If you had an abundance of friends, 
That's a lot of friends. That's what Jesus wants to do. So not only does he want to save you, because that's the very purpose for him coming, but he wants to bring that into your life as well. And so God is interested, and his desire is to bless his kids. He's done it. He'll do it again. That's what he does. But here's the deal. That's the first part. Here's the second part that you have to see. That is in the very presence of God. We experience that. In the very presence of God, man, we couldn't even get to the presence of God without Jesus. And so because of what Jesus has done, now we get to live in the presence of God. And as a a direct result of living in the presence of God, of experiencing his grace, of experiencing his love, of experiencing the transformation that he brings into our life, here's the second point. And this is where some people bail. We're instructed to sow, reap, and repeat. Get this. Come on, stay with me. Some of you just like, I'm out. I even hear the word sow, I'm out. Listen to me. There is a cycle that is intended for your life that is a direct result of the love that now compels you to do what Jesus wants you to do, i.e. obedience. You're not obedient because you have to. You're obedient because you get to. You're obedient because of what Christ has done for you. It is his love that compels me to do what he tells me to do. So here's the point. So if, if that's true, if God blesses me, has blessed me, wants to bless me, all of that, then my only reasonable response is to do it his way. And what that means is, is I have to learn to sow, reap, and repeat. There's a cycle of blessing that God wants all of us in. When you've experienced the blessings of God in your life, you now want to do something with it. If you at any point think that I've been blessed by God to build something bigger just for myself, you are missing it, kid, because that's what Jesus says. So we are called to be a blessing. We are called to repeat. We are called to sow, reap, and repeat. That's important that you get this. And I want to read something to you that is straight out of the Bible. Like, I'm not making this stuff up. Like, it's literally in the Bible. And I'm going to read it to you. It's out of, out of the Gospel of Luke. And you know who's saying it? Jesus. It's Jesus speaking. And I want to read this to you, okay? You guys okay? You ready for this? Okay, don't get mad at me. I'm about to read something to you that Jesus said. Here's what he said. Verse 38. Give and you will receive. Now, when I say that, some people are like, yeah, okay. Or you're thinking, well, God cares about the heart. Yes, he absolutely cares about the heart. And what does it say about our heart if we're not willing to give? What, what does it say? So, so if Jesus said, give and you will receive, that seems pretty straightforward to me. So in other words, if I do it God's way, he says, I'm going to receive. I'm going to receive. Now, I might not receive what I want, but I'm going to receive because Jesus said so. And so I give and you will receive. Now, God's always concerned about your motive. You know, he's always concerned about your heart. Like, why are you giving? Are you giving because you want me to treat me like some cosmic Coke machine? And I put some dollars in and all of a sudden you get back what you want. That's not how God works. God knows your heart. And he's concerned about that. But don't let that be something that keeps you from this blessing. Because it's real. It's true. But then he goes on. Listen to this. This is so good. Listen, listen. For your gift will return when you give, right? Your gift will return to you in full. Press down. Shaken together. To make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. Now, we could all do that together, couldn't we? Some of you are like, I don't want to. I'm not going to do it, Pastor. But think about that. You could, we could turn that into a song, couldn't we? It's like, press down, shaking together to make more running over. Right? He's making room 
for more. He's making room for more. There's a reason you shake it. Because you want some more in it. And I wonder if the shaking is the act of giving. Think about that. I wonder if the shaking is the act of giving. Because you're opening yourself up to more. And then he says this, and this is where it gets really good. Jesus said this. He says, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Oh, it's so good. But some of us are like, no. Like there's something in us that, that, that like we see it and, and, and there's a part of us that's like, yeah, that might be true. Or maybe there was a point in your life where, where somebody said something or did something or taught you something where you start to believe that that's not true. But clearly Jesus says it's true. And if you're going to believe anybody, shouldn't you believe Jesus? I mean, if you're going to believe anybody, even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you probably at least respect him as a teacher. And he says this. My friends, my heart for you today is that you would grab hold of this with everything you've got. Because God not only wants to bless you, he wants you to be a part of the solution that this world needs. And the cycle of blessing that he wants you in is that cycle of sowing and reaping and repeating. That is what he wants you to see. And so here's, here's it, gets, it, it gets better. And so Jesus says this to us. He says, sow as much seed as you can. Get out there and sow as much as you can. And you say, pastor, how much should I sow? Well, how much do you want in return? Like sometimes people quibble over how much to give to God. Should I give him net or gross? Should I give him net or gross of my 10%? Well, do you want a gross or a net blessing? You pick. He's not mad at you one way or the other. But you pick. Because that's what the Bible says. You're still going to get to heaven. But you're not going to be part of the blessing. The cycle that he wants you in. So... Does it matter if I sow good seed or bad seed? Absolutely. The kind of seed you sow will lead to the harvest you get. You got to see this. And so I'm going to get real, real specific. I'm going to give you two things that you need to be sowing. Two things. First one, you need to sow obedience. Now, you probably thought I was going to say sow your money. Ha! Tricks you. Because I don't care about your money. Do you think God doesn't have enough money? The Bible says he has the cattle on a thousand hills. All he's looking for is faithful people. The money will be there if people are faithful. But watch this. He said, we need to sow obedience. In other words, do what you were told. Listen to this. So I was reading through Deuteronomy. And, 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 and I, I, ran along, I kind of ran into this phrase that I thought was really interesting. And, and it repeats throughout Deuteronomy. And so I'm just going to read a few verses. Stick with me. This is good, I promise. Stick with me. So I'm going to read a few verses. And I want you to notice that if Israel does this, God says he'll do something. Watch this. Deuteronomy 14, 29. That the Lord your God may bless you. In other words, if you'll do what I told you to do, that the Lord God may bless you in all the works, all the work of your hands, which you do. That's pretty good. Whatever you put your hand to, God says he wants to bless. Then watch this. Chapter 15, verse 10. Because of this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all you put your hand to. Do you notice how it's repeating? Chapter 23, verse 20. That the Lord your God may bless you in all to which, in all to which you set your hands to in the land which you are entering to possess. Notice it. Verse, okay, so chapter 28, verse 8. The Lord will continue the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. Come on. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God will give you. He's not done. Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure. 
the heavens to give the rain to the land in its season and to bless, look at it, all the works of your hand. So if Israel will sow obedience, God says he will bless every work of their hand. And that same blessing is applied to our life as well. If we will be obedient to what God has told us to do, if we will sow obedience, then God will bless whatever we put our hand to. Do you believe it? I don't know. But if you don't, that's not smart. I mean, I'm not a mathematician. But if God says it and he ensures it, it seems like a pretty good deal to me. And so we are called to sow obedience. And it will lead to God's blessing on our work. Here's the other part. Stay with me. This is, it, it gets even better. Watch this. Sow like seed. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Sow like seed. In other words, like begets like. If you're like, I don't know what begets means, pastor. Like produces like. That's what you have to see. Get this. I'm going to read something to you out of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, 11 and 12. You guys okay? You're with me. You can't miss this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to, notice it, its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. You're like, you've lost me. Stay with me. And it was so, was what the Bible says. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. You're like, what are you talking about? Did you see it? Grass produced grass. Fruit produced fruit. You, you see it? So in other words, the seed produced a certain kind. Like produces like. Makes sense. Kind produces kind. Now, what in the world does that have to do with the sow and reap and repeat? Well, we've talked about being obedient to what God tells us to do. But here we see something very specific. God drills in and he says, if you want corn, you plant corn. Right? If you want wheat, you plant wheat. Now, I know, I know, you know, you guys aren't agrarian people probably. So you're like, okay, I'm confused. I don't understand corn or wheat. Never done that. Never farmed corn or wheat. So let me make it more clear. If you sow kindness, you reap kindness. If you sow love, you reap love. If you sow anger, you reap anger. If you sow offense, gossip, you reap offense and gossip. You understand? So when we sow, we should always be aware that like begets like. And let me go a step further. If we sow our money, come on. There it is. That's what Jesus says. I didn't say that. And I know that some of you are mad at me for probably saying it. People online are like, oh, he just wants my money. Don't care about your money. I care that you're blessed. As your pastor, I don't want to see you not blessed. And the Bible says very clearly how to do that. Is you sow obedience. And if you want a certain harvest in your life, then you sow into that harvest. There's a reason God asks us to give 10%. 10 is a test. In the Bible, anytime you see the word 10, it's a test. He's not testing himself to know what he'll do. He's testing you. So what are you going to do with it? 
And so my point is, is that if we want certain things to come to pass in our life, corn, wheat, anger, you want some anger in your life? Sow it. You want bitterness, unforgiveness? Sow it. And so my point is, that principle applies to every aspect of our life. And so I want to encourage you, if you want multiplication in your life, then sow after kind. Like begets like. And start to see what God will do. Take him up on the offer. Start sowing something and watch it come to pass. Watch the harvest come to pass in your life. I can parade people up here on this stage with their money and say, look, do you give God 10%? And that person's going to say, yes. And they say, yes, I do. And I say, are you blessed? Yes. Yes, I'm blessed. And then I bring the next person up. Hey, do you give? Yes. Do you? Are you blessed? Yes. And you see what I'm getting at? It's true. That's what Paul was saying. He's like, look at the examples. Look at the manifestation of God's presence and promises in this world. They're not just ideas. They're things that actually come to pass. That's what we've got to see. God wants us to grab hold of this. Oh, God, he wants us to grab hold of it. All right. Some of you are like, I'm tired, Pastor. I'm tired. Here's the third thing. And I've said it already. We're blessed to be a blessing. We are called to be in the cycle of blessing. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to do four things this week. Four things. I want you to bless somebody with your time. Come on. I want you to bless someone this week with your talents. I want, to, I want you to bless someone this week with your treasure. And then finally, I want you to bless someone this week with your testimony. Tell somebody your story. Because see, we sometimes lose sight of that rhythm in our lives that God calls us to. And God's blessings are deeper and wider and more amazing than we can even think or imagine. And so I say this, if you've experienced his presence, then you have a responsibility to get in the cycle of blessing. You have a responsibility to do it. And so my heart for you today is that that would be your story. I want to say one last thing, and then I'm done. And this is important. The church of Jesus Christ will never fail. Jesus promises that. It'll never fail, friends. But Jesus Christ invites people who love him to participate in that story. And here's a data point that I need you to hear. In any church in America, statistically, if followers of Jesus Christ simply were faithful to tithe 10% of their income, believing that God will do what God's going to do, come on, stay with me, it would triple the budgets of churches in the United States of America overnight. Think about that. Come on. Now, I know for some of us, you're like, okay, I'm done. Pastor, please stop. I just want us to think about that. Imagine the kinds of things we could do as a church if everybody did their part. And then not just 10% or 20% of the population did it, but everybody did their part we could do for God. So, may we be a blessing to somebody this week with our time, our talent, our treasure, and even our testimony. I want everybody looking at me for a second. I would not be on this stage today if Jesus wouldn't have saved me. I wouldn't. I would not be here today saying what I'm saying. More than likely, I would be in trouble somewhere. 
because I caused a lot of trouble. And yet God reached into space and time and chose to save me. That's my story. That's my testimony. And many of you in this room have that testimony. And you are called to share it with everybody you can. But here's the other thing I want to say as we close. Some of us in this room, that's not your testimony. Some of us online, that's not your story. And here's the thing. God wants it to be. And so what I want to do for just a moment is pray. And so would you guys pray with me? I want to speak to those people in the room or that are on the other side of this camera. And I just want to simply ask you this question. Would you say that you have a story to tell where Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, intersected your journey? And as a direct result of that, you now can stand before the world and say that you're saved and you'll spend eternity with him? If that's not your story, oh, God, I so much want to pray for you. And so if you're here in this room and that's not your story, if you're here online, I just want to pray a prayer for you. There's nothing magical about this prayer. All it is is that I'm going to lead you in a prayer that I'm just asking you to mean. And the Bible says if you'll do it, that Jesus Christ will come in and save you. He'll forgive you of your sins. And he'll begin to restore back into you the things that have been stolen and broken by sin and the enemy. And so church, let's all kind of begin to just pray. There are people here that need to take a step of faith. And so I just want to offer this prayer. So church, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Will you forgive me of my sins, God? I surrender my life to you. Will you be my Lord? Fill me with your spirit. Be my guide. I choose this day to follow you. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today? Oh, it's so good.